that the entrance of your world bring that life and transformation, brings understanding. I ask, oh God, that even as we step through your word, even as we go deep again into your word, that Father, you will use me again this afternoon as a step-down transformer to bring the simplicity of your word to your people. Lord, I ask, oh God, that for everyone connected all across the globe, Father, they will live here with their own package of testimony. And I vow to return all the glory to you at the end of it all. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. If you're watching across the globe, I want to hear you shout and believe in amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We are looking at them as topic going deeper in courtship and marriage. Going deeper in courtship and marriage. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, we have a particular text we are looking at. Because I have seen going deeper, and the Holy Spirit led me to the book of Psalms 42, reading from verse 7. And it says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfall. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfall. All your waves and billows have gone over me. As I, I, I began to ponder on this particular verse, I began to ask the Holy Spirit what he wanted me to say to his people from this particular verse. And he said something to me. He said, gold is not found on the streets of any nation. He said, gold is not found on the streets of any nation. For you to find what is priceless, for you to find gold, for you to find what is treasurable, for you to find what has value, you need to dig deep. For you to find what is lasting, what is eternal, you will need to dig deep. And therefore, in courtship and in marriage, for you to find what is beautiful, for you to find what is treasurable, child of God, you need to dig deep. Most times we just look at a particular verse and we are just like, oh, I have finished reading it. But what I did, I took our time to go back to the preceding verses to know what the Holy Spirit is talking about. And I discovered from verse 1, just go on this journey with me, and I know your life will never remain the same. In Psalm 42, reading from verse 1 now, that is David speaking, David of Psalmist. And he said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. Now I discovered something before we get to verse 7. Before we get to verse 7, he said, as the deer pants for the water. Now, when you are thirsty, even if you take a soft drink or a cold drink, as the case may be, you discover that you still desire the thirst of water. The thirst of water is actually different from the thirst of any kind of drink you will find in anywhere or anywhere around. And this is what the, the, the psalmist was talking about. He was trying to liken his thirst, his hunger for God for the deep things of God, for the presence of God, you know, to that of the deer, fasting after water. I don't know if you've seen a deer before, but I'm just trying to liken it with a human being. Even you, when you are thirsty for water, you know how it is. He said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where shall I come and appear before God? There was just this longing for him to be in God's presence. There was this longing for him to be in a abode where, you know, the, the ocean was so high. He said, in verse 3, he said, my tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? Now, I discovered from this verse 3 that the psalmist was actually going through certain things 
He was panting after God. He had a relationship with God because he said, my tears have been my food day and night. He was a worshiper. David was a worshiper. We all know that. He was a praiser. But something happened. He said, where are they continually? Who are the they? Even those in the household of faith were asking him questions. Where is your God? Maybe you are watching me any part of the world. You are steward in God's house. You are servant in God's house. And you have been worshiping day and night. Your tears have been flowing. And people are asking you questions about your Christianity. Your spirituality has a question mark. I speak into your life by the message of God. That after what fits 2021, God will reply those questions in your life. Everything that has become a question mark in your life will receive answers in the name of Jesus. At this point, he said, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul with him. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them into the house of the Lord with the voice of joy and praise. He, he was just talking about, you know, his time in God's presence. And in verse 5, he was asking himself, why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God. I don't know if you are cast down in your relationship. I don't know if you are in a marital relationship where it seems as if you are discouraged and you are almost at the verge of walking out. Or you are in courtship and you are almost at the verge of giving up. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that is why he said in verse 7, deep calls unto him. After he had broken down, after he had, you know, lamented, he discovered that Sometimes people will not need to encourage you. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. He said, no, I will encourage myself in the Lord. Because in verse 8, he said, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Hallelujah. In the daytime, when you think God is late, he's about to give you the latest. Because God is about to command his loving kindness in the dimension of somebody, in the direction of somebody today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, what do we mean when we say deep calling unto deep? That's our thing. Deep calling on so deep. I thank God for Mr. Latunji. I listened from the beginning when he was teaching and he gave us a powerful, you know, introduction of that word. We are looking at it in another dimension now. I put down something here. The Holy Spirit made me understand something. He said, when we talk about deep calling on so deep, it simply means the brokenness of man yearning for the fullness of God. It means what? The brokenness of man yearning for the fullness of God. That was the case of the summit. He was broken. There was no hope. He was a hopeless. It was a hopeless situation. Maybe you are watching me right now in your relationship, your culture, your marriage. It's actually looking as if nothing is working. But see, deep collect onto deep. It's just talking about your broken state, yearning for the fullness of God. Listen to me. The Bible says that his ways are not our ways. His ways are actually higher. So at your least, when you dig deep, at that point when you are at your, your, your least state, that is when you, you stretch out for the fullness of God. It is only when you dig deep in your spirituality, that is when you get the fullness of God. Now, what do we mean by deep calling on to deep? It simply means the brokenness of man desiring the wholeness of God. Ha, hallelujah. The brokenness of man desiring the wholeness of God. It also means the helplessness of mortal man searching for the embrace of God. The helplessness, when it seems as if there is no hope, that is when God is stepping. And for someone listening to me right now, God is stepping in your own case in the name of Jesus. I said God is stepping in your own case in the name of Jesus. We are looking at deep, going deeper in courtship and in marriage. What exactly is courtship? When we talk about courtship, what do we mean? Courtship is a relationship between a man and a woman 
in which they seek to determine if it is God's will for them to marry each other. It is that period in a relationship between a man and a woman in which they seek to determine if it is God's will for them to marry each other. Simply put, courtship is that stage where you have discovered a particular man or a particular woman. Both of you are having a relationship together. You are going out trying to discover more about that person in order for you to know if this is actually the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with or not. And that is why you need to go deeper for you to understand whether that person is actually the right person or not. Hallelujah. Now, because of our time, I will just rush up you know, what I have to say. How do I get deeper in courtship? How do I get deeper in courtship? Child of God, I want you to understand something. The Bible says beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, that woman will be saved. Most times you're actually looking at the physical beauty of this lady. You're looking at her, her beautiful, melodious voice that sings in the choir. And you are looking at, you know, oh, she's so charming. There's the way she stands with, she's the usher in the church. Oh, she's so intelligent. She has first class in them. Home management or what have you. <laughs> Head of God, listen to me. Just put that one aside. You actually need to go deeper in God for you to actually discover God's will and purpose for you in courtship and marriage. Because this teaching is courtship and marriage. Permit me to divide it into two. Let's focus on the aspect of courtship first. So how do I go deeper in courtship? Number one, fans after gold. I know maybe you are thinking, ah, go out, have fun. I'm coming. Relax. Number one thing you need to do is what? Fans after gold. Let's look at verse one in Psalm 42. Psalm 42. It says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O Lord. Child of God, how do you pants after God? If you are not a lover of God, you will not have any incline or any signal for you to know in courtship if that particular brother or sister is yours or not. Because most times, we are deceived by physical appearances. We are deceived by religious um, appearances. We, sometimes, we are deceived by what we see on the outside without knowing the person on the inside. It is only God that knows the inside of any man. He says, the, the inner man, it is God that knows it. Because you don't, you cannot just explain a particular sister. It is when she has entered the house, you begin to wonder, ah, I didn't know you were like this. And that is why you need to pass after God. So how do you pass after God? First of all, pass after God, yes, service. Get committed in service. Be a diehard service giver in the house of God. Join a service group in church. Get committed. Get sold out. Get sold out in serving God. Another way you can pass after God is your fellowship, child of God. When last did you, did you, you know, prostrate in God's presence? When last did you have a lifestyle of worship? When last did you say, Lord, this is all of me. I yield myself. I die to self. Fast after God, via fellowship. God is not interested in our community gardens most times. He's actually interested in your personal relationship with him, with you. Your personal relationship with him. Excuse me. Via, another way you can pass after God is via prayer. Your prayer life. Are you still doing the psychedelic kind of prayer life? Head of God. Courtship and marriage is not taught in any university. There is nothing like a marriage 101. That is why you need the originator of marriage, 
the, the virtue of the school of marriage, that is the Holy Spirit himself, to teach you, to guide you in the aspect of custody, so that you will not make mistakes. Let me share this testimony with you. Before I met my husband, I was actually in a relationship, a four-year relationship, and I was trusting God that, okay, I was going to settle down with this young brother. This brother was everything I wanted in a man. Intelligent, caring, he was a believer, we served in church together and all that. And one day in my place of prayer, even after he had given me an engagement ring, I had this thing inside of me not to wear the ring. So I packaged the ring and I put it in my top. I'm not in the place of prayer. I had an encounter where I was getting my to a pastor. Then I saw the brother in church the following day and I said to him, Please, brother, are you going to be a pastor? Are you, are you interested in ministry or something? And guess what he said? He said, no, I just want to be a member. Anything pastor is not my own. I don't want to be a pastor in any way. I don't even want to hear that God is even slapping me. And we actually laughed about it. But when I went to my closet, I knew that he was not the one that God was showing me. And the encounters kept coming. I discovered, I will always have this encounter that I was getting married to pastor. And the Lord said to me, and you are going to be a helper to my servant. And on a good day, I took off the engagement where I kept it in my post and I gave it back to the brother. I said, you are not the one. And at that point, remember, I had not even found anybody else. Do you know that I gave that brother that ring October 4th or August 4th? By September, okay, I gave it to him on my birthday, September 4th. By October 4th, my husband that I am married to today called me on phone and proposed the same day after meeting me once, after seeing me once in a church where I went for administration. And today the marriage is almost 10 years and we are still there. So if I was not, you know, in my place of fellowship with God or in my place, my, my, my prayer closet, I would not have been able to speak and defend the fact that this other brother was not the will of God for me. Now, there was nothing wrong with me. There was no issue. There was actually no quarrel. It was everything I wanted, but it was actually not God's will for me. And I have to, you just have, you need God's will in marriage. You need God's will because the journey is actually long. And if God is not in your boat, if God did not send you on that assignment, my sister, my brother, you will be like Jonah. You will pay your own sister again. That is just the situation. So you actually need God's will. And that's why you need to pass after God in fellowship, in prayers, in service, in order for you to be able to hear his audible voice or get encounters to hear his words or revelation in order for you to know his will. Even in courtship. Hallelujah. Again, another way you can get deeper in courtship, to want to actually get deeper, to know if the person is God's will for you or not. Yield to his will. Mm. This is another side that is very difficult. Most times we just feel yielding to God's will. Is, you know, it's so easy. Whatever, wherever you send me, I will go. Whatever he tells me, I will do. Your God is in my God's side of God. I have come to the point that I have known that yielding to his will. Is actually very, very difficult. I can tell you this thing. I'm this kind of person that I have my life planned out. I have the I have already talked about, you know, thought about how I want my life to be. So when God tells you that is not my plan for you, I want you to follow this way. Ah, it takes a lot for me sometimes. I would weep, I would cry, I would rush in Lord. This was actually not what I planned for my life. But what am I to even plan my life in the first place? When the person, that potter, hallelujah. He said, I'm the one, I am the potter and you are the clay. It is the way I mold you. That is how I want to decorate you for my use. You just have to learn to do what yields to his will. Sometimes God is actually speaking to you that that brother is actually not the right person. And there are all the signs 
the features are there. You are seeing it very glaring. You know the person has showed you two different ways. But because you are Adamant, you just have to marry that first sister. You just have to marry because the shape it is either figure eight or the leg, the, the, the bone leg exactly in a particular way that you like. Ah, you refuse to yield to God's will. Head of God, if you don't yield to his will, I don't know who is going to help you. Because at the long run, family members will turn their backs on you. And God will never finish what he did not start. May God help us to yield to his will in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, do not entertain treasure. How to get deeper and cut it. Do not entertain treasure. Some people are looking at different wrong reasons for going into a particular relationship. You are taking the calendar. Take your eyes off the calendar and focus on God's agenda. Ah, hallelujah. Take your eyes off the calendar. Focus on God's agenda for you. You are looking at the activity 21. It's almost over. I am still not married. Do you know what God is planning for you? See, there are no best weddings anywhere. There are no best uh, wedding gowns anywhere. Because even the wedding gown of next year will be the latest compared to what people are wearing this year. So focus on God's agenda for you. Do not entertain pressure. Do not look at the age. Ah, no, age is no longer on my side. Ah, what will people say? You know, I've been with this brother for a long time, so we just have to get married. What will people say, St. John? That is another one. Another one is that I believe he retains. <laughs> I will believe he retains. You are saying wrong signal. The red lights are there saying, my dear, wrong for your life. You say, no. I will get, it's not 2021. I must get married this year. Yeah, the prophecy has already gone for that. I will be married this year. When there are wrong reasons, showing there are the red lights are frozen there. Head of God, please take the next road and hear God's reason. Do not entertain prejudice. Another one for this point again, going deeper in courtship. For you to get deeper in courtship, check your compatibility status. Check your compatibility status. A lot of people neglect this aspect. Why? Because they just feel, you know, love is blind. One of my mentors said, love is blind, but marriage is the eye opener. Your compatibility status. I, I just want to point this out that there is no perfect being anyway, just as there are no perfect marriages, of course. There is no perfect being anyway. So, but there are certain things you know you can cope with in that person's life. Check for those things you can cope with. The, the, I, I know of a sister that I have to counsel. Her issue was that anytime she's having issues in, with her husband, she would, uh, with her, you know, the person she's in courtship with, she would always leave a bottle and keep the bottle on the wall. I want to stop. She said, if she has not seen blood, she's not satisfied. <laughs> and I asked her that, they are you a vampire? <laughs> Do you leak blood? Do you drink blood? Are you still singing in the choir? Something is wrong. You need deliverance. You actually need to work on yourself before you, because you, God will never give you, you know, his own choice servant or his son for you to go and send to, to you know, send to an early grave just because in the name of marriage or custody. So check your compatibility status. Check your compatibility status. Can I actually cope with this person? Now, your, the association you keep can make or mar you. Will this person actually lead you to where you are going to? Will this person actually help you to fulfill destiny? So the person you have the kind of policies that you can cope with, those are the things you be checkful. Hmm. Hallelujah. On that compatibility status, just put this. Check the person's spiritual life. Are you spiritually compatible? Is it that kind of person that you say, let's pray together and the person is willing? You know, the person is excited. Spiritual compatibility. You believe in the same faith. I know Christianity, we are one family. 
But I know that we still have, you know, some little, little disparities or little, little things that doctrinal values that, you know, that, that are very, very unique that can actually, you know, we need to actually look into. As much as we are one body, we are one body in Christ. Take that those aspects. Does the person a believer, does the person believe in what you believe in spiritually? Again, take emotional compatibility. Is the person emotionally compatible with you? Is the person this kind of person that are anger, when the anger comes like this, oh my God, it is as if there are, are demons that are released in hell. Check emotional compatibility. Physical compatibility. I, I like this one. I would never have wanted to marry a short man. Uh, no, no, no. I know I'm average in height, but I want someone taller than me. So at least I will help my generation. So I actually was looking out for a man that is as tall as the husband that I married. Hallelujah. So check physical compatibility. Are you proud to introduce this person to say, ah, oh, meet mine? You know, there are some, there are some people in courtship. You can't even introduce the sister. You can't even introduce the brother. You are saying, ah, he does not speak uh, uh, Polish English. I'm afraid. I don't even want him to open his mouth when we go out because he will just release some, uh, some grammatical beyond that. Say those things. Some of the things you check out, you look out for. So that in marriage, you are not hiding the person. Behind. When they ask you, where is your husband? You say, the person is somewhere around. So check for physical compatibility, financial compatibility. Financial compatibility is if that kind of person that can share. Ah, there are some very stingy sisters. Just as we also have some stingy brothers, of course. Can the person share what the person has? Is it the kind of person that will have 1,000 and hide somewhere and lie about it? Check all those things. And finally, on the aspect of compatibility, vision compatibility. Vision compatibility. This one is very important. Because in marriage, marriage is all about fulfilling purpose. Is the person going where you're going? Because in courtship, that is where you will ask questions. Where are you going? Brother, where exactly is this journey leading us to? It's not a situation where maybe you are, you are, you know, in one particular career and the person is in another particular career or ministry and you are not compatible and you are now angry. You say, no, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Those are the things you check. Where is the person going to? Are you willing to help that person fulfill God's purpose, God's vision for his life? And is he willing to help you fulfill divine plan and purpose for your life? God will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. And because of our time, let's check this aspect again. The part B, going deeper in marriage. Ah, going deeper in marriage. Hallelujah. When we talk about going deeper in marriage, we are talking about going to the depth, not to the peripheral. We are talking about that deep aspect of marriage, that depth in marriage, going deeper in marriage. How do we go deeper in marriage? First of all, what is marriage? Marriage is not cohabiting. Mm -mm, it is not. Marriage is not, I like you, you like me. Let us come and live together. Anytime I have money, I pay for your head. That is not marriage. Marriage is the legally or formally recognized union of two people of different sexes as partners in a personal relationship. I will take it again. It is the legally or formally recognized union of two people, not three, two people of different sexes, not the same sex. <laughs> I have to point that out because today we are seeing all manner, you know, of different sexes as partners in a personal relationship. In one relationship, it just simply means two people becoming one in a formal, legal, recognized union. Hallelujah. Two people becoming one in a formal, legal, recognized union. 
Hallelujah. Now, how do we go deeper in marriage? I used to listen to my father, Bishop David Oedeko, and he said something. He said, when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know the purpose of marriage, you will call it anything. You will, you, will, you will misuse it. You will do it anyhow. You will behave anyhow in your marriage. Why? Because you don't even know the purpose of marriage. Marriage is actually instituted by God, not man. It is not uh, what two people just come and agree with. Okay, let us go into marriage. It is God that is interested. And that is why in the union of marriage, we always tell people, God is the only, should be the only thought person in your marriage. Not your father, not your mother, not your parents. God is the institutor of marriage because he ordained marriage. He is interested in marriage. When Adam and Eve were married in the Garden of Eden, God said something. The Bible said something. He said even God himself is to calm down and worship with them. God comes down to worship with them. Fellowship with them. Hallelujah. So what is the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage is actually number one. So help me say. So you can have a helper. You can have someone that will help you in your life destiny as you go on in destiny. Secondly, another purpose of marriage for that particular one for help me take, we have Genesis chapter 2 from 18 to 21. I won't be reading all the scriptures. Just take it down when you get into your time because you have limited time. I won't do all the reading. The ones I will do the reading, I will let you know. So you get to your personal time with God. Just go ahead and read those scriptures. Genesis 2, 18 to 21. For help me take. Another purpose of marriage is for spiritual reinforcement. Hallelujah. When two of you are binded together in marriage. Ha, I don't know the devil, especially when two of you are in agreement. The Bible says when two of you agree on something, it shall be done. Joshua chapter 23, verse 10. We have that scripture. We also have Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 30. Another purpose of marriage is for companionship and fellowship. So you have somebody to share your life with. You have somebody to dish with. You have somebody to, to gossip with. Hallelujah. You have somebody to relate with. You have somebody to share life with. Life is actually very long. So you need somebody in this journey of life to share with. And again, another purpose of, life, of marriage is for procreation. So you can have godly seed. The Bible says he has ordained marriage so that we can raise godly seed for him. Now let's look at this aspect now. How to go deeper in marriage. Hmm. How to go deeper in marriage. Number one, if you must go deeper in marriage, if you must go very deep in your marriage, and your marriage will not just be like every or any other kind of marriage that just on the periphery, on the surface, that uh, any, anything goes. Number one, honor your marriage. I will say it again. Honor your marriage. Hebrews chapter 13, reading from verse 4 to 6. I will read that scripture. It says, marriage is honorable among all, and the best undefined. But fornicators and adulterers, God rejoice. Marriage is honorable among all. What does it mean? That is before your career. Before your, what's again? Everything. Before your business. Your marriage should confess. Hallelujah. Marriage is honorable in all and everything. Marriage is honorable. The bed undefined. Now, how do you honor your marriage? I discovered that a lot of couples truly do not attach honor to their marriage. They don't really attach value to it because, you know, they just take it for granted. They do it anyhow. I, I, I had to come to this point at some point in my work with God and especially in my marital life 
where I discovered that my marriage comes first. When I was single, my priorities were different. Hallelujah. My priorities were different. I would actually think about my job, first of all, my career, then, you know, okay, any other thing follows. But when I got into marriage, I discovered that ah, my job just cannot come first. No. Even my career has lost its first position or second place. My marriage comes first. After my marriage, I, I discovered that I had to place ministry after my marriage. And then my children. <laughs> and then I don't talk about my career, my job, my business, my relationship, you know. So marriage is honorable. You just have to add, you know, place honor on your marriage. Hallelujah. God is helping us place honor and put our priorities right in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, how to honor your marriage? How do you honor your marriage? You're saying, ah, uh, Zigben, you are just talking about honor. How? Oh, I honor my marriage, but let me tell you how to honor your marriage. Child of God, the first person to honor your marriage is your marriage is you. Because it is what you call your marriage. That is what other people will join you to call it. If you say, ma, this is my stupid husband, uh -uh, we will help you to amplify it outside. You say, ah, you say the husband is very stupid. What a stupid man he is. And what a very yeshok marriage she has. So you are actually the very first person to attach honor to your marriage. And how do you honor your marriage? Hey, cherish it. Cherish what you have. Appreciate God that you are married because there are so many people out there praying, fasting, going for one deliverance or the other just for them to be connected to their spouse. And you are married. Let the God listen to me. Four days are not rosy. Every day might not be rosy. Every day might not be 100% as you expect. Yes, but you are still expected. So cherish what you have before so that you don't lose it. Value your marriage. Cherish it. Thank God you have someone to share this life up and down with. There are days I come back and, you know, the effect of ministry, the weight of ministry, sometimes, you know, even as ministers of God, even as pastors' wives, People may not even appreciate what you do sometimes. I was telling someone yesterday, I said, that's why what we do sometimes. Souls are actually thrown at us sometimes. Not like Stephen. And we still have to bear the burden. But one thing I thank God for is when I come back, I still have somebody to share my encounters with. Somebody to share the experiences with. Somebody to cry to. Somebody, you know, I have a shoulder to cry on. To say, ah, today was hectic. But I thank God that I have a shoulder to cry on. What if I had come back home and there was nobody? How many people I would have just, you know, lost myself in despair or depression? Cherish your marriage because it is even good. It is even, even thank God for somebody to quarrel with sometimes. Yes, I have to say that. Thank God you have somebody to argue with. It's a blessing in disguise because you disagree to agree at the long run. So cherish what you have. Secondly, honor its uniqueness. Honor the uniqueness of your marriage. Thank of God. Your marriage is not like any other one. Avoid comparison in your marriage. Your marriage is not like any other one. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says something. It says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. If you begin to compare your own marriage, marriage A, to marriage B, the Bible says you are not wise, you are foolish. And I know that you are not foolish. 
So if you have been comparing your husband with another person's home or comparing your wife with another person's wife, please, that is foolishness. I'm not the one that said it, so it was it's the Bible that said it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. So stop the comparison. Stop the comparison. Whatever you don't have today is because you don't need it. When it is needed, God will make the provision available for you in the name of Jesus Christ. So avoid comparison. Another way to honor your marriage is honor it by recognizing its exclusiveness. Hmm. Honor it by recognizing its exclusiveness. Its exclusiveness. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Honor it exclusively. Your marriage is just you and your husband inclusive. Apart from God and the Holy Spirit, every other person, please keep them outside. They must not know what is happening inside your home. I think every one of us, we need to learn from that. Because when you begin to bring in foreign bodies into your marriage, that is the canker worm that will begin to eat into the fabric of your marriage. I am trusting God that hear this particular conference and life that is being shared in this dimension or this direction in that aspect, we will come out of that in the name of Jesus Christ. We'll begin to honor the exclusiveness of our marriages in Jesus' mighty name. Another way to honor your marriage, if you must go deeper, is honor its particularity. Honor its particularity. It's particularity. Your marriage is a particular one. It is not everybody's own. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 says something. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own, I underline that word, to your own husband as unto the Lord. If I enter this room now, there are several men in this place. The only person I have eyes on is my own husband, not another person's own. There can be 50 pastors in this place, well-guarded with powerful speech. I am not looking at any other person. I am not even interested in what any other person has to say. I am actually interested in what my husband has to say, where my husband is seated, what my husband has to offer, because that is my own. So I have to honor the particularity of my own marriage. Hallelujah. And finally on that, honor its intimacy. Honor its intimacy. A lot of marriages, intimacy with no more there. There is no bond anymore. There is no more intimacy on the side of the husband or on the side of the wife. Everybody is so formal. Everybody is just busy doing their own thing. Bring back intimacy into your home. A marriage, you can be naked and not ashamed. The Bible speaking in, uh, I think I got the scripture here. He said they were naked in the book of Genesis. Yes, he said the two of them are naked, but they were not ashamed. When we talk about nakedness, I'm not just talking about the physical aspect of being naked. That one is actually necessary because you will need to give yourself to your husband physically. You need to give yourself to your husband emotionally. That is what brings the bond. See, when you are bonded, it reduces strife in the marriage. When there is this closeness, when you go deeper in intimacy, when you go deeper into your bond, into your, your, your being close together, it reduces strife. And that is what God wants from us. Oh, not the intimacy. Another aspect of being naked is the...
soulish nakedness. What do I mean by what do I mean by soul? Still connected. If you're still connected, this out. Amen. So that I know we are connected. Please. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We are back. Talk about, I'm going to talk about physical intimacy and soulish intimacy. I've already talked about the physical aspect and the soulish aspect talked about being open, openness. A lot of us are in marriages, but we are very secretive. Your husband does not even know the, 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 the what you have in your bank account. Yes, women, I'm talking to you. You know, you are looking at me now, you know, you are the one I'm talking to. You, you cannot share. You are so secretive. You are even building a house for your parents in the village. Your husband is not aware. God is watching. God is watching you. There is God. And even our men, what you have, your wife does not know you have it. You are so secretive. See, oh no, the intimacy of a marriage. You were naked and you are not ashamed. You can be open. You can share ideas together. You can share ones together. You can share projects together. That is what we are talking about. Being naked. Most times we are just focusing on hey, give me your body, give me your body. It is not all about just the body aspect. Ideas, be open, share ideas, share opinions, share your secrets, share. See, my husband is my highest gossip mate. I can tell you the truth. I used to tell if I hear it outside, I know it's you that said it. Outside will laugh. Why? Because there are things I can't tell other people outside. But he is my closest confidant. So I, I want to do that so that our bond will increase. Because if I begin to share it with some other person. That person will be closer than him to me. So whatever you will know that will make you go deeper in your marriage, side of God, do your best to do it. And I have mentioned the aspect of being intimate, going intimate, so as to reduce strife, you know, honoring the particularity of your marriage, honoring, you know, your marriage in different ways, cherishing what you have, honoring the uniqueness of your own marriage and all of that. I know that God will help us as we begin to go deeper in the aspect of our courtship and the aspect of our marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to close with this. I don't know with the confines of the time that I have. Hallelujah. Yeah, my time is almost up. I want you to understand something, that when you hold your marriage in high esteem, with prayer, nothing will be able to come between you. Nothing will be able to come between you. When you give the devil a Handshake, it takes an embrace. Child of God, I don't know how you will do it, but with these things that I have given to you, I am trusting God will embrace you to kick the devil out of your courtship, out of your marriage, in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something that God may not even ask you about a career that you failed, He might not even ask you about a job that you resigned from. But you see, that marriage. He said, I have ordained that marriage because I want you to raise godly seed for me. And you see that man in your life as a husband, God has deposited you as a woman there, as a helper, a helper to his destiny. His destiny will not crash in the name of Jesus. May you not fail in that assignment of being a helper to your husband. And you as a husband, God has asked you, he has instructed you to love your wife, even as wife love the church. The church is not perfect. Your wife is not perfect. Child of God, I can tell you this. Even the marriages of pastors, there are no perfect marriages anywhere. The Bible says, as we keep looking at his word, we are being transformed. We are being changed from one level of glory to another level of glory, even in our marriages, even in our courtship relationship. 
Keep looking at the world. Keep looking at what God's word has said concerning your marriage. Your own marriage and my own is different. And that is why you cannot compare my own with your own. And I cannot compare my own even with your own. Because I am the one wearing the shoe. The person wearing the shoe is the person that knows where the pain is. So the only remedy is actually for us to check what God's word is saying concerning our own particular marriages. Let us honor our marriages. Let's be particular about it. Let us exclude all and include God. Let us cherish what we have. Just like I said, it is a blessing to even have somebody for reality. May God show us grace. May God grant us grace. Even in our courtship as we go deeper into it. For those in courtship, yield to his will. Allow God to lead you. You cannot lead yourself. So you don't make mistakes. I have told you that if you pay your transport on that courtship alone, you are on your own because God will never finish what you didn't start. I know God will engage us. I'm led this moment. Maybe you are watching me and you are not even giving your life to Christ. This is your own moment. This is your own moment because you actually need a relationship with him. He said you will hear a voice. You will hear a voice that will tell you this is the way walking in. That is Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21. If you are not in connection, if you are not deep with God, there is no how you will hear his voice. Because that voice is actually a still small voice. And it only takes the depth of man to actually get the fullness, the embrace, and the fullness of God. So what you mean you've not given your life to Christ? This is your own time. Just say this prayer with me as we begin to round up. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you again today. I want to have a small time in my courtship. I want to have a wonderful marriage. I ask, oh God, that you accept me again into your kingdom. You will take my name out of the book of hell and hell. And Lord, you will write my name in the book of life. I profess today and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the son of God. I profess that I am born again. Write my name in the book of life. I am born again today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And you are here. I'm led to pray for those in courtship right now or those that are trusting God to settle down in one area or the other. Maybe you have been in this relationship and you actually want God to give you direction with all I have said today. I want you to just stretch your hands towards the screen right as you are watching me. I want you to connect your faith with my faith right now because I feel God's presence so mighty in this place and it's about to transform somebody's relationship. It's about to get into somebody's courtship and somebody's marriage right now. I feel God's presence so mighty around me right now. Stretch your hands towards the screen as I begin to release God's word into your life. Father, my viewers watching me right now, for that sister that is actually trusting you to settle down, I ask, oh God, for a divine connection. And for anyone that is connected in any wrong relationship, by the message of God, I disconnect you in the name of Jesus. Only the will of God and the plan and purpose of God for your life will prevail in the name Amen. of Jesus. And for Amen. everyone connected in any marital relationship where there is strife, Father, I invite your presence. Because it is Amen. only your presence that will make the difference. Thank Amen. you, Holy Spirit of God, Thank for there is peace in our home, there is peace in our relationship. Amen. In peace, my name. God bless Amen. you.